My guest, Mike Street, a nice, nice yoga instructor. I mean, he has 400 students. He's teaching yoga in four different universities. And uh, there's a nice article about him in the local newspaper. And a prayer group reads this article and they get a burden to pray him into intimacy with God. And they really pray and pray. And one day, he's hitchhiking. And guess who picks him up? Not only a member of the prayer group that's been praying for him and fasting for him, but a former student of his. He has an amazing supernatural encounter with God. And as a result of this counter, encounter, he goes back to his four yoga uh, groups uh, at, at these universities and he tells them this amazing encounter. Now, that's the last thing they expected from you, Mike Shreve, but you tell them this and then you tell them they can experience the same power and the same God you experienced and what happened? Well, almost all of my students became Christians as well. And I was running a yoga ashram at the time, which is a commune where people live and study on a more disciplined level. And all of my students in the commune gave their hearts to the Lord. And so it was really radical. Transformation in one, one day, everything just exploded with the power of God. So he gets so excited about God, he forgets to get married. <laughs> really? So he's 39, he's not married, and he hears an audible voice. Tell me about that. Uh, well, I made a covenant with God when I was 20 that I would not date or entertain thoughts of marriage until it was time, and I threw myself into mission work and evangelism. But then when I was 39 years old, God woke me up, and he spoke to me audibly, and he told me who to marry, and he told me that we would have a son. And that became very important to know a little later on. Uh, especially because uh, he has this wonderful word from God. He knows who he's supposed to marry. He marries the woman. He knows about the child that's coming. And his wife is not able to have children. So what'd you do? Well, we went on the word. God had spoken, and so we did, disregarded the negative report. The scripture says, whose report shall you believe? And we made the, uh, the decision to claim God's report as the true one. And uh, the enemy didn't stop fighting there. Uh, once the barrenness was conquered, the next attack came with my son himself. And, and, and let me say this. What you're hearing now is a prophetic story because what Mike learned with his son and his next child, he then took these supernatural principles and said whatever God could do for him, God right. wants Absolutely. to do for you. So you, you battled for your son. What happened? Well, he laid in the birth canal a very long period of time. In fact, my wife was in labor for 48 hours, and I'm sure any mother listening to this can relate to the painfulness of that. And then the umbilical cord was wrapped three times around his neck also. And they didn't catch that quick enough, and they let him lay in the birth canal too long. And so after the birth was over, the doctors came into the room with us, and they said, now you need to brace yourself. He suffered oxygen deprivation, and, and it's inevitable he'll have serious brain damage. He may never talk. He may never function normally as a human being. But God had told me 
that I would have a, a son who was an attractive son. And that was his wording, which I thought was curious. But uh, that didn't mean that he would be severely brain damaged. And so we began to claim and confess and, and speak and decree uh, that my son was normal and that my son was healed and that he was delivered. And uh, uh, he just entered into Lee University a few years ago and was placed in the highest honor society available on that campus. Uh, listen, not only, <laughs> I mean, th this, this kid should have been a vegetable, should have been brain damaged, but because Mike tapped into the supernatural words of the living God and knew how to believe them, different story. He not only is in the honors program, uh, you told me he had a photographic memory. He, he's, he's amazing. He doesn't even have to hardly read a book. If he just scans it, he remembers it. And so, uh, I, I mean, this is I'm normal. Envious. This is normal. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail. That's right. And it's about time we start being normal. Okay, you had a miracle with your son. Now comes your daughter. What Ten happened with later. her? Well, we were in a, a meeting with the doctor around the fourth or fifth month of my wife's pregnancy. And he came in with a very glum look and very serious, somber look on his face. And he pointed to the screen where he showed us the ultrasound and there was a very dark spot right in near the base of the spine. And he proceeded to explain that my daughter had spina bifida and because of certain chemical things going on in my wife's body, uh, he said she'll have cretinism as well, uh, which is a severe form of retardation. And then he leaned over his desk and he looked at us very intensely and said, there is an alternative. And we knew what he meant. He meant abortion. Right. Uh, and so we took, uh, we took him at his word. We took an alternative. We never went back to him again. Uh, <laughs> I that, like that alternative that medicine, alternative. don't you? I do. <laughs> I didn't want to be around that kind of spirit. But uh, as we left his office, Sid, my wife was, of course, torn to pieces emotionally over this. But as we walked out of the door, the Holy Spirit fell on her and she was thrown into this visionary kind of experience where she sensed a, a little child dancing and she heard the audible voice of God say, your daughter will dance on the streets of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. <laughs> he had just told us she would never walk with this hole in her spine, but God said she'll dance. And, and, and she was still a little flustered, and so we got in the car, and, and she reached over and turned the radio on, and the first song that came on was that country Christian song, I Hope You Dance. And so she <laughs> That's took, called confirmation. Yeah, that, that was definitely a confirmation from God. And so from that point forward, we just began to claim the promises of God. And, and one of my wife's favorite promises to claim was Psalm 138, verse 8, that says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And she would lay hands on her belly and say, little baby, little girl, uh, you concern me. And God's word, therefore, says you are perfect, and I proclaim you are perfect. And then we would confess Psalm 139 over her. Verses 13 and 14 says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. And, and then the psalmist went on to say that he, God had created those inward parts when as yet there were 
none of them. And so we began to claim that that spine was wonderfully made and that God was working a marvelous work and, and that uh, she yeah, would yeah, be whole. You know what I've noticed is you can pray for something, but when you have the written word of the living God, how much stronger is your faith? Absolutely. And there's a power. There's a certain power on the word of God that isn't on your normal word. Well, Jesus was the word made flesh. And, and he was the embodiment of the word. And, of course, he was the perfect man. And when he faced off with the devil, his strength was to say, it is written. And if the one who was perfect, who was the word manifested in a human body, resorted to the written word when he faced a battle in life, how much more should we imperfect human beings do the same thing? Okay, talking about the um, wonderfully and fearfully made uh, and God will perfect, what did the doctor say when your daughter was born? Now, he didn't know what my wife had been praying. And when that child came forth from the womb, who, by the way, months ahead of time, we named Destiny Hope because the doctor offered her no hope and no destiny. And we counteracted that with a prophetic name. <laughs> and when she came out of the womb, the first word the doctor said was, she's perfect. Now, I like that kind of. Hallelujah. Thing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> and she was. And okay. Is. But what about the dancing? Well, at an early age, from the time she was about three years old onward, her favorite thing to do was to stand in front of the television and, and watch these videos where there'd be a dozen little kids dancing along with Christian music, and she would dance along with them. By the time she was five or six, she was in a dance troupe with, uh, with young people twice her age, and she could dance just as good as they could. And uh, she's very gifted, very gifted in that area. I love the prophetic word. I love the prophetic word that we have in writing, the word of God. Uh, tell me briefly about your son when he uh, went to heaven. Oh, well, that's really based on one of the 65 promises that God's given our children. One of them found in Isaiah's writings, Isaiah 54, says that all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. There's only a certain degree that our teaching can take our children to. We can transfer ideas from them mind to mind, but that divine revelation has to come from God. And God did that for my son when, I guess he was four or five. One morning he came down from his bedroom with this brightness all over him. And he said, Mommy, Daddy, I died in my sleep last night and Jesus took me to heaven. Now, I don't think he actually died, no. but he interpreted the experience that way. And he took me around heaven and talked to me and told me different things about my life. And we said, well, what did he tell you? And, uh, well, one thing he said Jesus told him not to watch bad television. And, and, and that Jesus told him to always have compassion on all people. And then he looked at us real quizzically and he said, what does that word mean? What does it mean <laughs> to have know what the word compassion? So that verified to us it wasn't just an imaginary thing yeah. with him. Uh, and we told him, of course, that means uh, love means uh, that feels love. the suffering and the pain of someone pain else. Of someone but I believe that was a landmark experience in his life. Uh, you know, another promise that you used for your daughter for at least a month when she was, uh, you tell me how old, uh, about being filled with the oh, Holy yes. Spirit. Tell me about Well, that. in Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4, God said, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. 
That's our responsibility, to be thirsty for God, thirsty for the things of God. And God said, I will pour the floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your seed and my blessing on your offspring. And my daughter was about five years old, and she had not been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. So I started claiming that promise after I found it. Every day I would confess, now God, you said in your word, I will pour out my spirit on your seed, on your descendants. And I was in a revival meeting in Carbon Hill, Alabama, and she was there with a group of young people. And I I preached on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. She came forward, fell out under the power, spoke in tongues about 45 minutes. She crawled up in my arms, just trembling and weeping and said, oh, daddy, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Now, did that happen because I claimed the promise? I believe that had a, a significant impact. I believe that made the difference. But, but you know what I see when you go through potential tragedy, potential blessing? Uh, you're not pleading with, oh, God, please. There, there is a conviction that you have in the word of God. Well, that's why it's so essential for parents to learn this revelation uh, and grandparents because you never stop praying for your children is because most parents pray in desperation like you said they especially when a son or a daughter goes out into darkness they'll plead they'll beg they'll weep they'll cry oh god please move for my daughter which certainly does not go unheard in heaven but how much more powerful it is when you find what god has already made a commitment to do like deuteronomy 7 9 says he is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him to a thousand generations. I, I like that, except I think Jesus is coming back way before <laughs> a thousand generations. Well, How about you? <laughs> what about uh, uh, older parents who have children and they're adults and they don't have a good relationship with those children? Is it too late for those children? Well, it's never too late for a person to change. And it's never too late for a relationship to be restored. Um, I, I have a dear friend who who emailed me just a few weeks ago when she turned 50 years old, all three of her children were in jail. And she heard this revelation the Lord had given me about 65 promises God's given your children. And she began praying those promises over her estranged children. There was great friction in the family. Uh, at least two of them were heroin addicts. And, and within a short span of time, all three of her children accepted the Lord. All have been delivered from drugs and alcohol, and two of them are very committed to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of God. And so uh, it's been a major supernatural transformation because Proverbs 11.21 says, The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. God didn't say might be, could be, should be, or maybe. He said the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. And I think we need to speak it with that kind of forcefulness. With some of the things that you have seen that are going to happen in the future, with what's going on in our education system, uh, children from elementary school on are being brainwashed the opposite of God's word. We need something stronger. And that something stronger was given to us, the words of the living God. But some of the things that Mike has seen that's coming on this world, uh, you began seeing things uh, about President Obama before he was president. Yes, what did I God did. show I, you? I knew he would be elected uh, because God showed me uh, when he was just running for office that he would be exalted to a position of authority. But then when I saw him placed in that position of authority, I saw the words written and heard them spoken, nuclear proliferation. 
which ironically is the opposite of the platform he ran on, which is reduction of nuclear weapons. But what God was showing me is that during his presidency, there would be a rapid development of nuclear capability and, and in you different know what? nations. He shared that with me when I interviewed him previously before this happened. And what he's just saying is happening so rapidly that the world isn't even aware of it. It seems like every day you hear another country that has nuclear bombs. Just the opposite of what the president is standing for is occurring. I mean, why is it that? Why is that happening? Well, it's because the enemy's plan is to make our enemies stronger than us. Because we're not only the natural breadbasket of the world, the United States is the spiritual breadbasket of the world. And that's why there's a, an, a, a concerted attack on our nation in many different arenas, economically, politically, religiously, in order to stop the progress of the gospel. But God showed me many years ago, about 30 years ago, God showed me another third great awakening that is coming to our nation and ultimately to our world. And so God has a plan that will outwit yeah, you. Know, I, I happen to believe it started already. It's little bits and pieces, but he, he also saw, you saw some destruction in New York City. So, uh, very heartbreaking. In fact, uh, earlier in the uh, year 2012, I had a dream where I saw New York City lifted up above the ground and it became translucent. Uh, uh, you could see right through it. And then it rushed uh, across uh, the United States of America and across the Pacific and hovered over Japan. And then it merged with that area in eastern, northeastern Japan, where that terrible tragedy took place uh, about a year prior to that, uh, where there was an earthquake and a, a tsunami and a nuclear incident. And I saw New York City destroyed with the same level of destruction. And uh, uh, that makes me very concerned that there will be a nuclear incident in New York City. But um, if that happens in the near future, I believe it will only serve to bring America to repentance. Uh, I don't know what God's plans are. I know we can pray, we can intercede, but I do know God has a plan that will prevail. But you saw a major move of God's spirit. Yes, I did. Especially on young people. And when you begin to pray God's word over your children and grandchildren, quickly, I want you to pray for the children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of those that are watching right now. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said that in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh and our sons and daughters would prophesy and our young men would see visions. And I claim that fulfillment, that promise coming to pass in Jesus' name. May every child represented by every person watching this telecast, let every one of them come under this canopy of the anointing of God. You're the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with those that love you to a thousand generations. Let covenant come upon them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I just feel like there are hundreds of you that are going to see your offspring that are bound to drugs, bound to heroin, out in a life of darkness. You're going to see them delivered. Proverbs 11:21. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. We prophesy over you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.